Today on CityCast Philly, the city's top job just got more applicants. What's the deal with the real workers contract offer and issues with paid sick time? There's also a newly released citywide agriculture plan, plus so much more. It's the Friday News Roundup, and I'm joined by Denise Clay Murray, who's CityCast Philly political contributor. And joining the convo is News Voice Director at Free Press and the National Association of Hispanic Journalists Philly President, Vanessa Maria Graber. It's Friday, December 2nd, 2022. I'm Trina Nuri, and this is CityCast Philly. Vanessa, welcome to CityCast Philly. Hello. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Glad that you're here. Denise, welcome back. Hi. It's great to be here. Before we get started, I need some advice from y'all. If someone is thinking about moving to Philly or maybe they just moved, they got their apartment, they're settling in, what's one piece of advice for Philly transplants? Vanessa? I think some of the things that people forget that Philly has are really amazing parks. So even though you're in a city and there's lots of concrete, you might be in a neighborhood with limited green space, there actually are a ton of beautiful parks in the city. Get out and explore the Fairmount Park system, the Wissahickon, uh, Fairmount uh, area. And also don't be afraid to leave your neighborhood to explore a lot of the great ethnic communities that we have all over the city. I'm from the Northeast. Nobody ever comes to the Northeast. It's okay, but Northeast got has some good food yeah, up there exactly. now. Exactly. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of great immigrant communities in the Northeast, but leave your neighborhood, you know, um, support the local businesses and ethnic communities that really make Philadelphia so culturally rich and diverse. Denise, how about you? What's some advice for people recently moving to Philly? Probably the best piece of advice I could give is be a good neighbor. When you're moving into a place, there were people who were already there. Get to know them, get to know what the traditions in the neighborhood are. When I first moved here, I I lived in um, North Philly and I made it a point to get to know my neighbors. And that can help you when you need assistance with something like my husband's car got broken into we were able to find some of the stuff that was taken out of the car because our neighbors helped us out so be a good neighbor i love that all right let's get into some news stories that really caught our eye this week let's break down this very crowded mayor's race Denise, more and more people are resigning (laughs) and saying they're making their bid to be mayor Well, right now at city council, it's become a turn off the lights when you leave kind of situation. They swore four new people in on Monday and just in time for the group shot that they took at the end of that to be totally irrelevant. Helen Gim stepped down on Tuesday and announced her candidacy um, Tuesday night. What people need to remember here is that while a lot of people are saying, oh, I'm running for mayor, no one is a candidate until they get their petition signed and they get on the ballot. And I'm not at all convinced that all eight of these people are actually going to make it onto the ballot. And I say this because the mother's milk of politics is money. Women have a tough time raising money 
to be in politics for stuff like city council or controller or dog catcher even. You don't think that maybe like their their, you know, resume speaks for themselves or like, you know, just their um, credibility? You you don't think that that will will help them or? Well, it'll help in some cases. If you've already got a pretty firm backing of, of folks who will, will contribute money to you or people who will, you know, go out and make sure your petitions are signed and everything like that, then yeah, you have a shot. But I'm not sure that all eight of the folks that are currently running have that. But it's interesting to watch how people are reacting. For example, shortly before Helen Gim took the podium to announce that she was running for mayor, Derek Green, who was one of her colleagues in, in council and is also running for mayor, basically issued a press release denouncing her and saying, and this was the most interesting part of the press release to me, that she's basically going to espouse socialist policies and 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 taxes if she becomes mayor and and i'm like wow i know i usually have to define what socialism is when i'm talking about national political races but i gotta do it here too really it's gonna be definitely an interesting race to watch vanessa what story caught your eye this week The story that I have been following very closely is the potential of a rail workers strike. So people don't know, freight railroad companies and their affiliated unions have been locked in a dispute over pay and working conditions for months. Um, The working conditions that workers are most concerned about are the lack of paid sick leave, right? And that makes dangerous conditions, especially for people who are the conductors of these trains. And, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of trains are running across the country at any given moment. So the threat of a strike is very scary, especially for President Biden and Congress. So he has intervened and announced a tentative deal. But many of the unions rejected that deal because the contract, again, fails to include paid sick leave. The workers are asking for 15 paid sick days, which is pretty reasonable. The House of Representatives yesterday just voted to impose that contract on them that doesn't have any sick days. However, they voted on a separate bill that would give them seven additional sick days. Now it goes to the Senate. Again, rail workers are still unhappy because they're asking for 15 paid sick days they don't want a contract imposed on them. And so now the threat of a strike is looming. And one of the things economists and President Biden are saying, like, this will be absolutely devastating um, to the economy, especially as, as we go into the holiday season. Other analysts have said, well, actually, this is a really good time. Most of the goods have been already delivered and are in stores and um, the traffic is not as much. Um, but this is also like, cold and flu season when people need support, you know, Mm -hmm. they need that time off. And we're still in the middle of a pandemic. I don't care what President Biden says. So it is a very critical time for people to have paid sick leave. It's something we fought for here locally. And so um, I'm interested to see what happens. I love a good general strike. And <laughs> like, there's so many strikes in the city. Like, <laughs> it happens like all the time. I mean, I, 
I don't know if I would agree with that. I think people picket and they march and they protest. Not as many workers as you might think actually walk off the job and stop production. So there's a difference between people picketing and complaining about work conditions and people actually halting all production and manufacturing. And that's what the rail workers are threatening. People might not think that, you know, a rail strike will affect us here in Philadelphia. But again, if you go down to the Navy Yard and you see all that cargo and all of those cargo containers, many of those go on trains and go all across the country. Philadelphia is still a major port for those items. And many other things go on trains like fuel. Mm -hmm. And so it absolutely will affect us here in the region if a strike happens and if it's long. See, what I don't understand is how do you do a job like being a rail worker without sick days? Because that's just a whole bunch of workplace accidents waiting to happen. A lot and, of um, a lot of uh, jobs don't provide that benefit to its workers. Yeah, I know. And, and the thing is, you know, Vanessa talked about the Great Resignation. What people are failing to understand is that workers have decided that they are not going to put themselves in harm's way right. and put themselves in positions where they can potentially be killed for seven twenty-five an hour anymore. So I'm going to be looking at this um, railway story myself, Vanessa, because I, I don't think the 15 days of sick leave in a contract is really all that much to ask, especially when you're in that kind of job where you could get hurt, like seriously hurt, if something falls on you or if you trip on something. The last thing I'll say is that these rail companies and freight companies are making record profits, okay? And so it's one thing when they've been losing a lot of money and they can't afford to pay workers. It's entirely another when they're making record profits, their shareholders and those stocks and dividends are paying out big. It doesn't seem to be a really good reason why they're being denied sick leave, which is why I think Congress voted to give them at least seven days. All right. What news stories do you feel were overlooked this week? Denise, let's start with you. Well, the one news story that I think was overlooked this week, and it's one that I think is like grotesquely overlooked almost all the time, is Thursday was World AIDS Day. Now, for those of you who don't know what World AIDS Day is, it's the one day every year where we observe the fact that people lost their lives to HIV and AIDS. And, you know, there's memorial services, the folks at the Penn um, Center for AIDS Research Community Advisory Board has their Red Ribbon Awards every year, you know, to commemorate this. But HIV and AIDS is still out there. Mm -hmm. And back when I was covering HIV and AIDS related issues, it was hitting it was hitting traditionally marginalized communities like a battering ram and when you have poverty and homelessness and having to deal with a family that has rejected you for various reasons um, related to your sexuality that you're trying to deal with and you're dealing with this disease on top of it you don't necessarily have all the, the wherewithal to you know protect yourself and treat yourself and and make sure that you're getting at least somewhat better because you're never going to be cured from it because there is no cure right now. I think we need to start remembering that, you know, just giving it one day is not going to do it. You know, we need to be very, very conscious that it is still out there and that we are teaching 
particularly our young people, because it's young people that are, you know, really kind of getting hit the hardest by it, how to protect themselves sexually, how to practice safer sex, how to make sure that you're asking the right questions of your partners. And most importantly, how to access the kind of care you're going to need to make it so HIV is a chronic disease and not something that necessarily kills you right away. Right. Vanessa, what story do you feel was overlooked uh, this week? Well, as we're listening to all of these candidates announce their campaign for mayor and lots of city council candidates, et cetera, one of the big issues that we talk about here locally is how we're going to address gun violence. Many of those plans are already being implemented by the county administration, include funding for gun violence prevention. And there's many coalitions and groups organizing locally in Philadelphia Do you prevent gun violence? And um, one of the things that was recently published was one of the most comprehensive analysis of U.S. gun deaths in years from Harvard University's Injury Control Research Center. Um, A group of researchers from Harvard published a paper in the Journal of the American Medical Association, Network Open, and they found that the U.S. gun death rate last year hit its highest mark in nearly three decades. And the thing that was notable to me is that the rate among women has been growing faster than that of men. And what I found was that two-thirds of women that are killed by an intimate partner are actually killed with guns. Mm. The number of women killed by gun violence rose 71% since 2010, and that was mentioned in the study. As a Puerto Rican woman, I was especially interested that Latina women have the highest rate of gun violence deaths per 100,000 people. Among Black women, the rate of firearm-related homicides more than tripled since 2010. And so oftentimes the solutions for gun violence prevention don't include strategies that prevent gun violence against women, and but specifically talking more about domestic violence against women. And so this story has flown a little bit under the radar. And just more generally speaking, when we're talking about gun violence prevention, because most gun violence deaths do include men, we're often talking about strategies and solutions that involve young men, especially young black men. But knowing that the rate of gun violence, injury, and death against women, but particularly Black and Latina women, has gone up by so much, we really need to be talking about that. And so, again, as journalists, talking to candidates, hearing their platforms, that's a question that I'm going to be specifically asking and wanting more information about to see if women like us are included in those plans. I think both the World AIDS Day and gun violence prevention are great topics, you know, to bring up to the long list of candidates and to see what they think and how they want to address those issues. I read earlier this week, too, um, I guess this is a little bit of some good news that Philly's homicides are down as we begin to close out the year. According to Axios Philadelphia, um, homicides in the city were down 7% so far in 2022 from the same time last year. And that's according to police data. But still, it is still an issue. And it's also an issue with young people being behind those guns 
For anyone who wants to listen more about this topic, we did cover it this week on CityCast Philly about, we talked with WHYY's team. They have a new podcast that looks and investigates some gun violence prevention solutions and how communities are discussing this issue. But I don't want to leave you all with heavy news topics. Um, That's not a good way to start the weekend. But let's talk about some good news. Vanessa, I'll let you take this one first. Um, Well, one of the things that I thought was super interesting and I was really glad to see published was Philadelphia's Urban Cultural Plan. And this comes out of the Parks and Recreations Department under the leadership of a new director who's been really amazing. And it's a 242-page report. Only policy wonks like me (laughs) will be digging through them. (laughs) But it's called Growing from the Root. And it's the result of a, what seems like a three-year-long process of community engagement, crowdsourcing, and holding town halls and open conversation with people from all over the city on, on various issues. And so one of the things I thought was interesting that I read in a WHYY article was that this actually was supposed to be published in 2020, but because of the pandemic and having to go virtual and all of the other things happening, that the plan was actually delayed. And then, of course, one of the things that this coalition struggled with was racial power dynamics. So they actually had to halt the process mm-hmm. to go through a period of mediation and repair to which they described at great length in that article that I read. And so it was a dispute between black and brown farmers and a planning and consulting company that was white-led. It seems like they were able to come together and continue the community engagement process. And so this report has a racial justice lens to it, which I think is right because Philly is a black and brown majority city. And it has some really, really great things in here. It covers uh, six different aspects of Philadelphia's food system, land, production, preparation and distribution, consumption, food waste reduction and recovery, and people. Um, One of the things I love about this report is that it's illustrated. So there's lots of pictures and charts and graphs and comics. It makes it really easy to digest 240 (laughs) pages of, of, of policy. But it not only explains Philadelphia's food system, which admittedly I don't know much about, but seeing how this as an ecosystem all works together is super interesting. And so I think they did a really good job in visualizing that and explain it to new people like me who don't have that background. And then it ends with a really comprehensive list of priorities and recommendations. And so um, the authors of the report said that they would hope that this would be an organizing tool and that they would be presenting this to city council and the mayor's administration to see how they could work together to implement a lot of these ideas. We'll have links in our show notes. Um, Denise, how about you? What bit of good news did you find this week? Well, well, first of all, as someone who literally and figuratively has a black thumb, I'm looking forward to reading this report because I've done stories on urban farming and I want to see how that all works out in terms of the city. Now, in terms of my good news, I'm one of those people that I, I hate mean people. Mean people yeah, just I don't drive like me either. <laughs> which, which the fact that I cover politics and I hate mean people just kind of makes my life really complicated. But one of the things that one of the bits of like meanness I've seen 
over the last few months particularly has come out of Texas and Florida, where they've been sending people who have been crossing the border into Texas or into Florida and putting them on buses and shipping them off to places they know not where, you know, no idea of where they're going or what they're going to do when they get there or if they're going to be able to connect with family or connect with the people they need to connect with to get asylum because they're probably coming here from the situation that, you know, people don't just get up in the morning and say, hey, I'm going to leave the only place I've ever lived in and, and, come, to a, and come to a completely new place. That's not what people do. So my good news thing for this week is that Despite the fact that Texas Governor Greg Abbott keeps putting people who are already in a pretty tough situation on buses and shipping them to Philadelphia, Philadelphia is showing them that at least when it comes to this, we can be the city of brotherly love. I have to give all kinds of props to the immigrant rights activists here in the city who have met these folks when the buses come in and, and try to provide them with services, with means to get in contact with their people who are already in the United States, the place to rest their head and feed their kids while they get things together with healthcare and all of those other things that you need when you come into a place that you have never been to in your entire life and that you know nothing about. I guess if Philadelphia can be kind of a tough town in a lot of ways, but when it comes to helping people who really are, you know, who are here for no fault of their own because of somebody else's meanness, we seem to have stepped up. Yeah, I just want to shout out organizations like Juntos, Acción Colombia, mm -hmm. and Casa Venezuela, who've been taking the lead on this work and have been doing some really great organizing locally. I do want to say that Another bus arrived this week, so that makes five yes. buses. So there'll probably mm -hmm. be more. And I think it really merits a conversation about a longer-term plan and sustainability for immigrants who are coming, many who are here legally because they have declared asylum at the border and mm -hmm. claimed uh, refugee status. But I am thankful that there is a really great community of mutual aid and support that's been there to say it's going to be okay. Denise Clay Murray Thank you so much for being on CityCast Philly. Thank you. And Vanessa Maria Graber, thank you also for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. That's all for today here on CityCast Philly. Our lead producer is Xandra McMahon. Our producer is Abby Fritz. And our newsletter editor is Brittany Valentine. Our host is me, Trinae Nuri. Music is by Philly's own Interminable. If you enjoy the show and all the other episodes of this week, share your favorite one on social media and tag us. Make sure you rate and review the show too. Subscribe to our morning newsletter. It's called Hey Philly. We'll be back Monday morning with more news from around the city. Have a fun and safe weekend. Bye. Bye.